0: Amen. Hey, you guys. Apologies to those of you for not dressing appropriately tonight. I'm still a little confused, but it is good to be with you tonight. Um, Guys, how sweet was it to get to celebrate all those baptisms last Sunday? That was awesome. That was so awesome. Um, You guys, I'm going to cut to the chase because, let's be honest, you didn't come tonight for me. You came because there's free cereal. You don't want to hear me ramble on... Uh, forever we 're in this parable series, you probably know um, but if you're if you 're new we 're super glad you 're here, um, if this is like your first night or whatever i 'd love to meet you we 've been working through the parables in in the gospel, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John some of um, yeah these these stories that Jesus told we 're looking at and these these are really fun little uh, stories. The one we actually have tonight is kind of short, but i 'm excited to to get into it, so um, let me ask you this: do you want to be known as a loving person like do you do you want to be known as as someone that like is defined by love? yeah, Ho- hopefully, I mean that might be a little odd if you're like, no, I want to actually be unloving I don't think any like normal person sets out and like just decides like I want to be an unloving person like I want to be known I want People at my funeral to talk about how I'm unloving that's weird like no one don't do that that's not a good move um, but yeah, I think okay, we want to be known as loving people. is that fair? We want to be known as loving people yeah. you with me maybe um, How do you become a more loving person like how do you how do you actually become a more loving person? or let me take it another step further how do you actually love Jesus more. Because if 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 you love Jesus more, you probably love other people more, right? And that would mean you'd be known as a loving person. So how do you how do you grow in your love for Jesus? Like practically, how do you how do you grow in your love for Jesus? I'm sure like if you're a Christian, if you would, if you would call yourself a Christian, you're probably actually wanting to. I I hope you are right that that's something that is probably a a thing you want, if you follow Jesus, if Jesus is your Savior and Lord, you want to grow in your love for him. Um, But practically, that can get sort of challenging at times. We can feel like we're stuck in a rut, that we haven't grown a whole lot in our love for Jesus. Um, And it's easy, maybe you'd agree with me, to kind of just say, even just in this past week, like, yeah, I, I do love Jesus, but if you looked at my life, right, there are Things, just even in the past week of my life, that would show that I haven't fully loved Jesus. I haven't always loved Jesus. in some of the things that I've thought and some of the uh, things that I've done in this past week, if you're with me, you haven't loved Jesus. And the goal, right, for us, if we follow Jesus, is to grow in our love for Jesus. If you're here at Salt Company, I hope one of your goals is to actually love Jesus more in 20, 30, 40 years from now than you do Right now. Like that's an awesome ambition. But how are you going to get there? How are you going to have a greater love for Jesus way down the road? The parable we have tonight, it's actually in Luke chapter 7. You can go ahead and open to Luke chapter 7. It's placed actually in, in this story of Jesus at a party. Jesus has been invited to this dinner party. And already in Luke chapter 7, I just want to tell you a little bit of what's going on because we're going to start in verse 36. Luke 7, verse 36. Jesus has already healed a man from, from a distance. How cool is that? Okay. And he's, he's raised a little boy to, back to physical life. And we get to verse 36, and it says this. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And so, if you're familiar with um, just the Bible a little bit. You've probably heard of the Pharisees. They, they show up often in the Bible, and they usually have kind of problems with Jesus. The Pharisees are these religious uh, kind of elite guys. These are, these are serious religious guys, and they often have problems with what Jesus is teaching. They want to catch him kind of and trick him even. And this is interesting, right, because we have this Pharisee who asks Jesus to come and eat with him, who asks him to a meal, who wants to throw this dinner party for him. The only other Pharisee that ever actually even, like, goes to kind of have an intimate time with Jesus, this kind of one-on-one time with Jesus, is someone who comes at night, who doesn't really actually want to be seen by other people getting that close and up and close and personal with Jesus because of maybe the the ramifications that might have. But this guy, he is asking Jesus over for dinner. And it says, he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. This was kind of a normal way of of having dinner. I don't know if you guys eat dinner like this. I don't. But you you would actually kind of be like chilling on this like pillow, just right there on the couch and this low table. You guys eat like that? No? Okay, yeah, it's kind of different a few things different back then, but there he is in this Pharisee's house reclining at table. Verse 37, it says, And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and wiped them with her hair, with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him. For she is a sinner. Let's stop there. So you guys, this is striking. This, this party that Jesus has been invited to, this dinner party, it's, it's actually open to all Folks, To come and kind of probably hear the, the theological discussion, whatever, the debate that, that maybe is going to be had. So it's not really striking that this woman is, is there. But what's crazy is that she, she actually isn't just a fly on the wall. She comes and she gets this close to Jesus. Like she is, she's actually the closest person to Jesus. She is treating Jesus like she is just completely Unworthy of being in his presence, right? And the the Pharisee can't believe it. Like, look, it it doesn't even say that he said this out loud. He says it said, he said this to himself. Jesus knew what he was saying, even in his own mind. If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. He he actually can't believe that Jesus would let this woman get this close to her. And the crazy thing is that Jesus is there. He's in this man's house. And he has this kind of reservation of Jesus. Who Like, who really is Jesus? Because is, is he really this, this teacher, this miracle worker, this healer, this, this guy that's getting all of this hype? Or is he even legit? Like, because this this woman is getting this close to him he's he's letting he's letting her touch her her hair is down like this is not culturally acceptable for for a woman's hair to be down in public let alone in a setting like this that she would get this close to a guy like Jesus with the the following and reputation that Jesus is starting to gain in this guy's house at this party like Jesus is kind of the the honored guest and someone who's not supposed to even be anywhere close to kind of this main table where everything is going down is there. And Jesus, he actually has no problem at all with this woman doing what she's doing. Look at verse 40. It says, and Jesus answering said to him. So he's answering, he's answering the Pharisee who's saying all this in his heart. He says, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. So this is like, okay, Jesus is about to bring it. Jesus has something to say to this guy. And this is what he says. Verse 41, he tells them this parable. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now how, now which of them will love him more? Simon answered the one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt and he said to him you have judged rightly so we learn his name is Simon and he gets the answer to Jesus question right which one of them which one of the people who owes this money lender is going to love him more when he cancels the debt of both it's the one of course that has the the larger debt right i mean think about this if If you guys have student loans, I know some of you probably do, and it was to be forgiven, like some of you maybe even are banking on that happening someday, who's going to be more stoked? Like seriously, who's going to be more stoked if that happens? I'm not so sure it's going to happen, by the way. Don't bank on that. Be smart. Save some money. Pay it off. But like who's going to be more stoked, the person who has the tiny debt or the person with the large amount of debt? It's going to be the person with a large amount of debt. They're like, holy smokes, I don't have to pay all of that. I can buy a house sooner. I can do whatever sooner. I can go on a vacation. So Simon's answer is right. It's pretty simple. The one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. But then look at verse 44. Jesus is going to apply this parable to this very situation. It says, then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? Okay, this is amazing. This woman here, she's treated Jesus like the honored guest that he is, but the guy that's invited Jesus into his home hasn't given Jesus any of this kind of respect. He hasn't honored Jesus. He hasn't done anything for Jesus. And they're both interested in Jesus. Like, think about this for a minute. Both Simon the Pharisee and this woman, they're both interested in Jesus. Like, Simon was so interested in Jesus, so much so that he invited him over for for dinner, even though that actually might have been costly for him. And the woman, also so interested in Jesus, so in love with Jesus and who he is and what he can offer her, that he can forgive her sins, that she is there just completely undone. But even though they're both interested in Jesus, Jesus' response is very different. Like, it's, it's a very different response that he gives to Simon the Pharisee than he does to the woman. Why is that? Simon, he, he's not, again, sure if, if Jesus is really legit. There, there's not much that he actually wants to even allow Jesus to possibly be in his mind. Jesus has to to be, man, maybe some miracle worker, but this woman is so close to him. He doesn't doesn't seem to get it. His attitude is, keep these sinful people. Keep a, a woman of the city, someone who's this prostitute, keep her away. Like That was the attitude of all of the Pharisees. Sinners need to stay away from us because we are clean. We are righteous. We can't touch them. We can't eat with them. What is Jesus saying in this parable? He's saying both folks, they are in debt. Both folks, though their debt is different, they both have sin. They both have a debt. And Simon wants this relationship with Jesus where he's almost equal Perhaps he is equal. He doesn't actually need to show Jesus some great amount of love because he's come into his home. Jesus maybe is not actually all that special to him, but to this woman, Jesus can offer her so much because her debt is so great. And you guys, you know, it says, it says she's, the wo- she's this woman of the city. Like her... Her reputation probably was quite well-known in In this big dinner gathering. It would have been really well-known who she is, what she has done. And here she is coming to Jesus, letting her hair down, cleaning his feet. She even comes with what the word actually is, is like this perfumed ointment. And she is just Lavishing it on Jesus' feet, cleaning his feet. Her tears are falling to the ground and she's just wiping her feet, his feet with her tears. What, what was that alabaster flask, this ointment flask? This, this was a, a necklace, most likely, that she was wearing. That was actually something that was very useful to her because it gave off a nice smell it made her attractive it actually made the thing that she was doing possible her her lifestyle her kind of way of of living sleeping with men who weren't her husband how she was making it was all represented in this necklace she was wearing and when she comes to jesus she breaks it she she spends it she just gives it all because she sees who Jesus is. Like this is, this is her saying, Jesus is so much better than the life that I was living. I have met him and I have forgiveness from him. The thing that actually added the most value to my life actually needs to just be laid at his feet, broken at his feet and spent on him. This, is a, this isn't just some financial sacrifice she's making, though this was something that was, significantly valuable. She is literally turning from her old way of life. This is her repenting. She's breaking this flask, this little thing that she wore around her neck that actually gave her all of these, even ways to be able to to live this lifestyle, sleeping with other men who weren't her husband, and it is broken at the feet of Jesus because of who he is. And you might be looking at this and and going, wait a minute. Okay, Jesus says, her sins, which are many, are forgiven for she loved much. You might be going, wait a minute. Is she saved by her works? Is Is she forgiven because of her love? Is this how it works? Look at what Jesus says next. In verse 48, he says, actually after this, That he who is forgiven little, or sorry, verse 47, he who is forgiven little loves little. Forgiveness precedes love. He who is forgiven little loves little. And if you need more convincing, let's look at at what happens next. Verse 49 says, then those who were at table with him, these are the other people at this dinner party sitting with Jesus at this table, they began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Like who who has this kind of power? Can it be this man? And he said to the woman, to the woman of the city, to this adulteress, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Her faith saved her. And what's puzzling here is she comes to Jesus. She shows all of this love for Jesus But it's not the love that she shows Jesus that grants her the forgiveness of her sins. Perhaps even some think, actually, that she already had some encounter with Jesus. That she already knew enough about him that her faith was in him. That she wanted to come to him again and just just show her love for him. Because of his forgiveness. Because of who he is. Because of the Savior he is. I want you guys to get this. It is not that... Her love displayed for Jesus, her great costly love that she shows Jesus that he forgives her sins. Her faith saves her. Your faith in Jesus saves you. Not your love for him, not what you do for him. Your faith. And you guys, her action. She can't even get out these words All she can do is is weep because she knows her sins are many. She knows that her sin is so great. And she is coming to Jesus. And there is no conditions. There is no kind of thing she's holding back. She has broken the alabaster flask. She is using her hair to wipe her feet. It's very, very different than... Someone else who's also interested in Jesus, Simon the Pharisee, who is reserved, who doesn't want to actually give over Jesus all that much. Like, you can be interested in Jesus, you can be here tonight and not have your sins forgiven. You can be interested in Jesus and still not, not, not truly know him. You guys, hear me you might be thinking to yourself I, i'm not lovable though like i'm am, i'm am not forgivable i have i've committed too many sins jesus cannot possibly still want to take another chance on me for for me to come back to him like i've already i've already tried this jesus thing and i've failed him and you guys that is not Actually, what Jesus wants you to believe, you can't out sin the grace of God. Jesus is saying there is a different amount of sin that some have compared to others in this parable, but that doesn't really matter much at all because He is the Forgiver. Like it's when it's when they couldn't pay, when both of them couldn't pay. When the person who has a small debt and the person who has a great debt, when they couldn't pay. That's the deal, you guys. You cannot pay for your salvation. You cannot pay to get your sins forgiven. It's when you can't pay, and we can't, that Jesus lavishes his grace and forgiveness on us because of who he is. Jesus is saying, right, that her sins are forgiven. And in response, we see her great Act of love towards him. And if you're in Christ, there's no amount of sin that can separate you from the grace of God. And so the only right response is to get on our knees and to be undone at who Jesus is. Even if we can't get out words, our sin needs to break us like it did break this woman. Jesus forgives those who actually believe deep down that they need a Savior, that their sin is great. This parable should be calling us actually to like kind of self-evaluate, to look in and go, do we, do we just judge other people's sins? Do we go, man, they surely cannot be forgiven. They surely have done too much for Jesus to actually love them as much as he loves me. And it's that thinking that is really scary. It's that thinking that literally might give us the other response to this parable because Jesus doesn't tell Simon that he's forgiven of his sins. The parable talks about someone who has a smaller debt and someone who has a larger debt being forgiven, but he doesn't pronounce Simon's sins forgiven. And Jesus is this God, man, he is in this room tonight and he wants to forgive your sins. If you have any doubt that he actually does, look to the cross where he was pierced for your transgressions, where he hung there and his final words were, it is finished. You can't undo what he finished. I want us to, to understand a little bit more just what Jesus is saying as he kind of pits Simon the Pharisee and this woman against each other. He is showing just this response that we need to have to his grace, to his forgiveness. He does three things. He shows that first, look at verse 44. He says to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. That's the first thing he did wrong. And then he says, you gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, he has not ceased to kiss my feet. Then he says, you did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. There are multiple things that Jesus is saying, look, she treated me the way that the forgiveness I can offer you deserves. So is Jesus someone that you're just simply kind of interested in, but not willing to give over everything, not willing to surrender your life? Are you holding something back from him? Because the right response to who he is and the amount of sin that he can forgive is that you lay everything at his feet and you don't allow it to even be a benefit to you. The things that led you into sin, your alabaster flask, I don't know what it is, needs to be broken tonight at Jesus' feet because he is worthy. Jesus is saying the more you think you need forgiveness, the more you'll love. Like the more you actually look into yourself and see your sin, the more you'll be a loving person, the more you'll love Jesus or you could say it this way, the more you value forgiveness, the more you love Jesus. The more, uh, the greater you value forgiveness, the more you love Jesus. And so you, you need to know this. That you cannot be forgiven apart from Jesus. That your sin cannot be forgiven apart from Jesus. The author of this parable, Luke also wrote the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, he actually says in chapter 4, verse 12, that um, you can't be forgiven. He says, there's, there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. He's saying you can't be forgiven apart from Jesus. There's no other way for salvation to come to you except through Jesus. Jesus. And so I want to show us this, this kind of visual aid tonight that's hopefully going to help us even just grow in our love for Jesus. That's, that's what I want to do, hopefully. It's this gospel chart. Maybe some of you have seen it. But first going to explain what's going on here. We've got two lines that eventually go far away from each other, but the first thing is saying time. This is referring to time before you come to Christ, time before You come to him on his terms and lay your life down for him because he laid your life down for you. And then there's this moment before the lines start to go in two different directions conversion. You coming to Jesus, you believing in Jesus, repenting and believing because he saved you. That's conversion. That's the moment that you start to grow in an awareness of God's holiness and at the same time going downward. Growing in the awareness of, it says, my flesh and my, my sinfulness. My, my fleshly desires, my sin. And so these lines start to go completely in the opposite direction. They get farther and farther apart. Imagine this going all the way across the room. And what gets bigger as those lines get farther apart? The cross. The cross gets bigger. What Jesus has done gets more beautiful as the Spirit of God continues to grow you as you follow Jesus, as you you submit to His Word, we see that God is more holy than we could ever possibly imagine. and At the same time, we're more sinful than we ever knew. And we don't just start to see ourselves as worth being saved or as as kind of worthy of forgiveness, we go, Jesus had to die for me. I cannot believe it. I can't believe that his death, actually, that he would go to the cross for me, that he would die for me, that his death would save a sinner like me. The cross becomes more beautiful. Jesus becomes more beautiful the more we grow in our awareness of God's holiness, how he is separate from sinners, how he is literally the just, loving creator that he is. So you guys, tonight, Jesus Christ is here. The question is, are you going to get on your knees and ask him for forgiveness? Because you need the cross of Jesus Christ. You need his salvation. There's no other name by which you can be saved. Like, I I don't know how else to tell you. You can't pay your debt. Jesus paid it. It's finished. Maybe tonight he's calling you to believe in him for the first time. Or maybe you actually, you have believed in Jesus. And tonight you need to experience Just the freedom of of walking in his forgiveness. Like I want to remind you that you actually are forgiven if you're in Christ. That Jesus' work has been finished. He said it is finished. Your faith is what saves you, not you. Your sin doesn't unsave you. Jesus saves you. All of us are debtors. All of us can't pay. Jesus paid our debt. And so, let's pray. Let's pray and respond to who Jesus is. God, you're holy. You are so kind, and so merciful. Thank you that you sent Jesus. Thank you that on the cross, you bled and died for for me, for my brothers and sisters in this room. And you said it is finished. that you would help us to see that we desperately need your forgiveness that we though our sins are many can get forgiveness freely just by your grace and I pray tonight God that you would save more people the cross would be more beautiful to all of us. Help us to fix our, our eyes on you, to get our eyes off of ourselves, to bring sin into the light and to quickly throw ourselves back onto your mercy.